Well, good afternoon and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. My name is Kyle Bruce and I'll be your moderator for today's show. I'm joined by authors Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage, our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can make a difference. Good afternoon, Larry and Kim. It's great to have you with us today. So today's show is going to focus on chapters 25 and 27 of Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. And what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about harnessing discretionary efforts and creating a sense of urgency. So Larry and Kim, I know most of our audience has an idea of what creating a sense of urgency is all about. But what exactly do you mean by harnessing discretionary effort? Why why are these important aspects of managing to make a difference? Well, discretionary effort is that amount of effort anybody can put toward a goal or a mission or an endeavor, the amount of effort that's above the minimum required effort. And every day, every person has a reservoir of discretionary effort. You can see this happening uh, right now if you uh, look at the news about flash floods, about other disasters that happen. People show up to help. They just take time out of their normal routine and they show up to help. That's discretionary effort. In fact, there's a movie out about discretionary effort right now. It's called Dunkirk. Uh, where uh, you see a lot of civilians who jumped into their boats to help rescue some soldiers who were uh, stranded on the beach at Dunkirk uh, and uh, were in, in grave danger. So that's what discretionary effort is. It's, it's what you choose to do over and above of the minimum effort required. What do you think, Kim? Anything to add on that? Yeah, it, it's going the extra mile. You know, and that's an ideal idea almost as old as time. Um, I'm kind of a nerd, so I got interested in the origin of going the extra mile and did a little digging and discovered that it originated uh, during the Roman Empire when the rule was that um, if a Roman soldier, a Roman soldier could order anybody living under Roman rule to carry their gear for one mile, not one step further. One mile. Um, and that's where it came from. Um, but Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles, and the extra mile is born. But that's the discretionary effort. It's being willing to go the second mile. So do you guys have any stories or examples of this or how you harness discretionary effort to kind of make it a little more real for our audience today? Yeah, I'm going to tell more than one story here before we're done today. Of but course. Come this, on. This is a this is a former associate of of all of ours, of Kim's and yours and mine, Kyle. Uh, Cindy, who used to uh, work at the front desk at Talent Plus and answered phones. And I, I'm gonna uh, summarize this story that's in the book. She created a warm welcome experience to all of our visitors, and this included people who called on the phone. Coincidentally, our phone number is very similar to the phone number of a local hospital. And we often get wrong numbers from very concerned people uh, who are trying to find out about their, their loved ones, their friends, their relatives. And Cindy could have just said, gee, you have the wrong number. She could have just given them the hospital's number 
But she didn't do any of that. She transferred them to the hospital. She decided to exercise the discretionary effort to do something nice for these people, many of whom were under some stress. That is one example of discretionary effort. Kim, I bet you see this a lot. Sure. You know, you you see it everywhere. You see it at home. You see it with your kids. Um, I see it in some of the kids that I coach that are high school track athletes. And, you know, high school kids are busy, but you've got the kid who shows up every single day. You've got the kid who at the end of practice helps put away all the equipment we've taken out. And then you've got the kid who goes in. You've got the kid who tries to choose between um, soccer practice and track practice and, and goes to each one part of the time every day. <laughs> um, and and it's, those, it's those people who direct their discretionary effort at the things that help you achieve your goals. Um, and as a manager, ideally, you can help inspire them to direct their discretionary effort toward the things that you want to achieve together. I mean, that's the whole point. So how do you call it out, Kyle asked? You must make it part of your culture. You must make it an expectation and have people hold each other accountable. I think it's highly predictive that when Jesus told his followers, carry the pack for two miles, quite a large number of those followers did in fact carry the the pack for two miles, and some of them would have carried the pack for three or four miles uh, because they were that committed to the discretionary effort. So part of how you call it out is as an organization, you say this is one of our values. We go above and beyond. And, And one of the ways you do this with any of your cultural values is to collect stories so that they become a mythology because the vividness of a story really conveys to all the people in the organization or the community, this is what we mean. This is what we expect. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this story that uh, when I was in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, just about everybody in the company knew this story. This occurred long before the internet existed. There was a a world famous speaker. This was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. I might have even had hair. Well, no, I still didn't have hair then. Um, so a world famous speaker was giving a keynote address at a conference in Ritz Carlton, and these were the and he had a video that he wanted to show as part of his keynote address. And in those days, the video was on, it was on a, uh, it was in a large, very large uh, cassette. And you put it in a tape player and, <laughs> you know, th- that's how you did it. It was, it was before CD. I hope you're not going to alienate all of your audience here, Larry. Everybody just, knows what a tape player is. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping we have, we have people who are young enough who don't really know what it I, was. I know. I'm but you put it, you put it into one of those old devices. <laughs> And you played, and you played the tape. It was a reel-to-reel tape. And uh, the night before he was going to speak and use this videotape, uh, 
someone spilled a Coke on the videotape and rendered it uh, useless. And in these days, there wasn't enough time to get a second copy of that tape. You couldn't send it on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. There was not enough time because you had to have a physical tape in your hand. Uh, one, of the, one of the engineers in that Ritz-Carlton Hotel went into the ballroom and started laying six-foot banquet tables end-to-end all across the ballroom. And he unwound that tape on these banquet tables. And he got some uh, alcohol and some cotton swabs. And he cleaned that tape on both sides, inch by inch. It took him hours. But he restored that tape. And the, the speaker was able to use the tape. And that story has been told and retold. So one of the ways you call out discretionary effort is by telling stories and recognizing and celebrating people who do this. Because nobody asked him to do it. He, he thought of it. Nobody else thought of actually doing that. Uh, nobody asked him to do this. The, the, the rest of how you get the discretionary effort is you help people in the organization understand how does this help us succeed? So the rest of the conversation around that story is this person is a world famous speaker. He happened to be a, a male. This guy is a world famous speaker. What do you think he's going to say about us the next time he's talking to 5,000 people wherever he goes next? He's going to be telling everybody he knows what just happened here uh, based on this discretionary effort, our desire to go the extra mile, our desire to really take care of our guests, which requires some creativity sometimes. It requires proactivity. It requires a commitment to do whatever it takes to make sure that whatever our, the Ritz-Carlton guest is there to do, that we help them accomplish the goals they have come in to accomplish. So all of that conversation accompanies the story and helps call out that discretionary effort. But you have to then recognize it, you have to reward it, et cetera, et cetera. So it isn't just one thing you do to call out the, the discretionary effort. It's all kinds of things. So the power of creating the, the mythology of the organization and then making sure everybody knows those stories, you know, the, that verbal culture, making sure it gets handed down. And then you have to figure out what's the best way, you know, what's the best way then to inculcate that into your organization? You know, how do you make sure those stories are being told so that the history isn't lost, so to speak? Because those things get forgotten over time, especially, you know, now there's so much information out there, you know, which stories are important that really truly leave a, leave a lasting impression. How do you do that? Well, you just have to keep telling them. And furthermore, you have to be open to the fact that uh, there are a new story is going to happen maybe today or tomorrow. And just because the story has been around for a while doesn't mean it's a better story, sure. that it's a better vehicle. And the more of these stories you have in your repertoire, the easier it is to pick one that's relevant to this person you're talking to or this group or this moment or this situation uh, the more of that there is, but you're going to you're going to get that discretionary effort. Also, when you put people in positions 
where they're doing things they're good at and enjoy because then it's easy for them to do more of those things without being asked. Well, and, and we're going to go up on a break here, Kim, but, you know, that, that power of reinforcing behavior, you know, when you reward behavior, behavior oftentimes gets repeated. And I think there's, there's a lot of power in that. Um, and people don't always think about how you recognize and reward behavior. So while we're getting ready to come into a break here, uh, so stick with this. We're going to be right back after a few minutes, and we're going to talk a little more about harnessing discretionary effort and creating a sense of urgency. You know, we we often get great feedback from our listeners, and we also get a lot of question, questions as well. So uh, if you have a question or you'd like to add something to the show, please click on that email host button uh, just above the podcast description, and we'll work in some of those topics into our upcoming podcast. Your, your questions help us to make it a lot better show. Um, so thanks in advance for submitting those and we'll be back in just a few minutes with larry and kim to talk more again about harnessing discretionary effort and creating a sense of urgency when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real, live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Well, welcome back and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. We've been talking to Larry Sternberg and Kim Turner today about harnessing discretionary efforts specifically. We're going to talk about creating a sense of urgency as well. This topic does come from Chapter 25 of Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. And what we've been talking about is, you know, what is the definition of discretionary effort? It's it's essentially going the extra mile. uh, And how do you then create that uh, as part of your culture and part of your values of your organization uh, and primarily doing that through stories, the power uh, of telling stories about going the extra mile to make it part uh, of your culture. Um, and Larry told us a really great story that's in the book, and I'd recommend you check it out. Um, and so, Kim and Larry, I'll turn it back over to you. What more would you like to share with the audience about discretionary effort and harnessing it? Well, just a couple of, couple of things. Uh, one is I, I want to tell this story. I was on a plane, and I was sitting next to a gentleman who told me that he was on the board of directors of the world-famous uh, Thunderbird uh, School of International Business, one of the most highly regarded business schools in the world. And he told me that earlier in his career, very early in his career, when he was a young man, he sold books door to door. And I was talking to him about talent and giftedness, and, and here's what he taught me. He said, Larry, here's what I learned when I was selling books door to door. At any level of talent, of sales talent, the more doors you knock on, the more books you sell. That's discretionary effort. He realized that just putting in more effort in and of itself was going to contribute to his success. And, you know, so how do you get discretionary? You teach people things like that. Uh, I also said I wanted to mention Michael Jordan. I'm not, uh, I don't follow basketball, and so uh, I'm hoping that this is true. But I remember listening to somebody who claimed to be very familiar with Michael Jordan. And he said, not only is Michael Jordan the most talented person, currently playing basketball, but he also works harder than everybody else. He gets up early, he practices, he works out. It's not just, he could probably rely just on his giftedness, but he doesn't. He has, he puts in all of that discretionary effort to ensure that he is going to perform at the very highest level that his his giftedness uh, allows him to. In addition to that, If you're a manager and you want discretionary effort from your people, you better darn well put it in yourself. You know, if you're going home early every day, if you're going home at five o'clock and you're 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 trying to rouse your your people to put in extra effort and go the extra mile. If they don't see you going the extra mile, you're done. You are absolutely done. So that's a case where you have to model it. You have to demonstrate it. And also, if you want this. You can select people who are hardwired to do it. There are people who are just naturally built. They just already have that, that 
that attitude, that desire to do whatever it takes to achieve whatever goal they're after. And uh, I happen to know uh, someone who puts in so much discretionary effort once he decides that there's something he's going to accomplish, the amount of effort involved is completely irrelevant to him. He just will put in whatever amount of effort is required. And I, this may be hard for people to really believe that I know somebody who will do this <laughs> and that there, aren't, that, that there aren't some caveats and limitations. Uh, but I assure you, with this particular individual, there are not. He will, in fact, do that. So there are people who are hardwired to work hard and to, to work even harder than the, the minimum uh, required of them. And you can look for that and bring those people on your team. Kim, what's coming up for you while, while I'm blathering on here? <laughs> well, one of the things that I would add to what you're describing as how people are hardwired is that some people are hardwired with that ability to give as much discretionary effort it takes as it takes to succeed, but also with a really high threshold for what they decide they're going to devote that effort toward. And that's where, as a manager, you have the opportunity to have some influence over where they decide to direct that discretionary effort. Um, I mean, I don't think you can really impact too much the capacity that people have to have discretionary effort, but you certainly can impact how they're going to direct it. That, in fact, is one of the most important responsibilities of somebody in a leadership position, is exactly that, to direct people's focus. What are they going to focus on? Right at the moment, people are focusing on a health care bill. Well, you can't focus on too many other things when you're focusing on trying to get the health care bill passed or trying to prevent the health care bill from being passed. Whichever side you're on, what you're not doing is you're not working on the tax bill or any other uh, issues that are important to the country because somebody is directing your focus. And in any organization, whether it's a political organization or whether it's a for-profit business, it really doesn't matter. One of the most important things a leader does is decide how people are going to spend their time. What goals are they going to work on? What goals are they not going to work on? These, these are extremely important leadership decisions, and they take they – take, uh, a lot of intelligence and insight. So that's a great segue into chapter 27, which is about creating a sense of urgency and and really setting the direction around expectations. So when you, you, we've talked about harnessing discretionary effort, but then it's, you know, how do you create that sense of, of urgency? You know, the, you know, you make sure that people are eating a lot of prunes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Other than that, what might be some other, I I need to apologize particularly to my, 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 my partner, my co-author, Kim Turnage. She's, she is really going to scold me when we're done with this uh, broadcast for blurting something stupid like that. So no, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> what I will say to get us back on topic is this. I'll give you this maxim. If everything's important, nothing is important. Amen. Amen. And 
and that point about focusing people's efforts. Yeah, I, uh, I have said on many teaching occasions when people are saying, I, I, you, you know, everything is a priority, number one. If you're a manager or a leader and this is what you're doing to people, if everything is priority number one, as Kim said, nothing is. And I could take the next random individual who I bumped into on the street, no matter what their age, I could put them behind a desk and I I could say, somebody is going to come in here and ask you for some guidance. And when they ask you for some guidance, this is all I want you to do. You look them in the eye and you say, it's all got to get done. It all has to get done. It's all important. And if you can't get it all done, I will find someone who can. Uh, That response from a manager takes no intelligence, no experience, no insight, and no judgment. What takes judgment is for a manager to say, this is more important than that. And I know you have a finite amount of time. I know we've lobbed a lot of things into your perimeter. And I know that you have to decide. I mean, hospitals do this every day. It's called triage. People decide one thing is more important than another thing or more urgent than another thing or whatever it might be. And and that's how they're going to decide how to spend their time. And there's numerous times when people need that guidance from their manager because they can't get everything done that they have to do. And it, it takes judgment to decide what are we going to have a sense of urgency about. Everyone, by the way, has a sense of urgency. Every listener here has decided today that there are certain things they're going to do, and there are certain things they're not going to do today. Number one, listen to the show. Number one, yeah, listen to this podcast. Uh, and and so now you now you got me off track with, with uh, the yes the, with the three listeners out there. Just give me a moment to <laughs> recover and. The sense of urgency is everyone has a sense of urgency. When I hear a manager say that there's a particular employee who doesn't have a sense of urgency, what they really mean is that the person isn't directing their efforts the way the manager wants them to. They do have a sense of urgency. It's just about doing something else. Uh, And I, I see where coming toward a commercial, I've got, I've got a, one of my favorite stories to tell about a sense of urgency. Uh, when we come back, I want to tell it. Okay. So, you know, we think about urgency and, and helping to motivate people. It's not really necessarily about motivating, it's about directing them, right? Um, and making sure that they're pointed in the right direction. Again, you know, I always think of that concept of the tyranny of the urgent. You know, as you said, if everything is urgent, nothing truly is. And I think there's a lot of power in that. Um, in how you set priorities because, you know, is, are they being a leader or a manager? And maybe it's just managers, or traditional managers, I don't know, where they just, you know, everything is important, whereas leadership is much more about setting the stage. I think that's a, that's a powerful point to take away from today's, today's show. So we're going into a break here. Uh, we'll come back, and Larry has another wonderful story to tell us. He's, he's already given us a teaser, but uh, didn't really tell us what it's about. So we'll, we'll have to it's stay about, tuned. It's about asparagus. <laughs> They're not prunes this time. Asparagus. That's correct. We'll try and get all, all the food groups in today if we can. So, well, hey, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Um, you know, a lot of our listeners have asked uh, for some additional materials to impact how they are managing to make a difference. So we have created a nice microsite for just that purpose. So if you're looking for some uh, extra information, go to www.managetomakeadifference.com where you can download information and supporting documents on topics like today's lesson. Um, and also, if you're looking to mass order books, bulk order books for everybody in your office because you're probably looking to do that, uh, you can go to 800ceoread.com and you can get a 20% discount on ordering uh, bulk orders of books. So six or more, uh, go ahead and go to 800ceoread.com. That'll help you out a lot. So folks, we'll be right back with more stories from Kim and Larry on how you can manage to make a difference. We'll talk to you soon. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. 
If you just happen to be joining us today, we have been talking about harnessing discretionary efforts and creating a sense of urgency, two topics from chapters 25 and 27 of Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. And just to kind of give you a quick recap, uh, we were talking about uh, discretionary effort and how you have to build that into your culture of your organization. And one of the best ways to do that is through storytelling. And just keep telling those stories about you know examples of of renowned uh, discretionary efforts and, and building that in. Uh, and then also, you know, we, we moved into creating a sense of urgency and, and how you can do that and in, in talking about you know, just effort in general and how you have to select people who want to give that effort, but also then as a leader, creating the priorities, creating the direction for everybody so everything isn't just important and urgent. And, and I commented on this concept of the tyranny of the urgent, and, and Kim and Larry really uh, wanted to talk a little more about that and maybe even tell us a story. So I'll turn it over to, you, over to you, Kim. Yeah, urgency and importance are something you have to think about together. Um, ideally, having a sense of urgency means that when something that's important appears in front of you, you're going to act on it immediately. And, and with as much effort as you can put forward. The issue is, you know, as we said before, if everything's urgent. And not only that, but if urgency moves into emergency and you keep yourself in this place where you create urgency fatigue, because this is really something that's very important, but we're always behind on it. We're not planning well enough for it. We can't take it in the flow of our regular work day or work week and get it accomplished with a sense of urgency, but without always being in an emergency. And so I think that as a manager, that's also one of your central tasks is to plan and direct your team and the amount of work that exists. So that people don't become fatigued in their exertion of discretionary effort. Yeah, it's the, the way I, I agree 100%, uh, Kim, and an excellent point it, with respect to fatigue. If you're in a situation where you are constantly demanding heroic efforts from your people, you need to reevaluate what's going on there. Because uh, by definition, heroic efforts are, are so much above and beyond that if you're just constantly demanding that of people, they will get fatigued. There's no question about it. Uh, on the topic of the urgent and the important, I, I have the, the following story about asparagus. This is another hotel story. And this was told to me by um, my boss in, in Omni International Hotels many years ago. He tells the story that he was the president of a hotel company and the CEO on one given day came into his office. And the night before, the CEO had been entertaining some very important people in one of the restaurants in one of their hotels. And he said to the president, the asparagus during that dinner, the asparagus was terrible. I want you to look into that. We can't have that sort of terrible food being served in our restaurants, whether it's me or whether it's somebody I don't know who's dining there. The asparagus was terrible. I want you to look into it and get it fixed. 
And the president said, uh, yeah, certainly. So the CEO came back a couple hours later and he said to the president, what's the, what's the story on the asparagus? The president said, I haven't gotten it to you, to it yet. And the CEO started to get upset. And the president looked at him and he said, this afternoon, I'm working on a plan to cut expenses that will probably put between 10 and $20 million on the bottom line of this company. If you would like me to stop doing that and go over to the restaurant and fix the asparagus, you just tell me and I will do that. And he reports that the CEO uh, turned around and walked out of his office. <laughs> That's, that, Kim, is what you're talking about. You know, there are, there are things that are important uh, like a long-term plan to cut, you know, millions of dollars uh, of expenses out or the urgency to fix that asparagus uh, right now. And, and they can become, people can lose sight of that. And, and again, that's why it's so important for leaders to exercise judgment and direct people how they're supposed to uh, direct their energy. And, this happens to a lot of managers who, you know, being hands-on is great, but it can be overdone. So the manager is actually doing the work of the people who report to that manager instead of doing the management work. And uh, all of a sudden, you're the highest paid hourly employee, uh, whoever, whoever filled that, that particular role, and you're not paying attention to some of these things that are less urgent. You're, you're only, so there are plenty of frontline employees whose job is to respond to the urgent needs of customers, clients, guests, patients, whatever the, whatever the word is on the, on the person who is on the receiving end of, of your efforts. Uh, and there are people who thrive on that. There are people who that's like, like throwing bear rabbit into the briar patch where they just love to be in those positions where everything is urgent and but they don't have to worry about anything else they can just respond 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 and uh we just have to understand whether that's our role or whether if we're a manager we can't let ourselves get sucked in to doing too much of that all the time well and to that point to to extend your story how how cool would it be if when the CEO came back to the president, the president was able to say, yeah, I made a five-minute call to the person who needs to solve this for us. And as soon as I hear back from that person, I'll let you know. Because they had taken that urgent to the CEO request and given it to the right level of person to solve it so that they could stay focused on what they were doing. Larry and Kim, you guys have a quote from, I think, one of Larry's uh, legendary leaders or bosses, I guess, Siggy Brow, and, and, and your quote was, you know, from him, make your boss's priorities your own. Um, I guess in the case of the asparagus, that uh, that wouldn't necessarily be a perfect fit. But but what what did well it would, be if you, it would be if you handled it the way Kim recommended. Right, exactly. So tell us a little more about about why that's important uh, and how. We also have to think about priorities and how they might shift. To make it your boss's priorities your own? Yeah. Well, this is another little story. Uh, my, my best friend of 40 years, uh, Pat Meany, uh, was a, a terrific, highly talented, highly successful hotel general manager. And he became the general manager of a hotel in the Los Angeles area 
and it was known for having a very eccentric owner. And this owner would call him up and give him various directions. And I was talking to him one day. He said, Larry, I have two lists. I said, I have to, the owner has given me things he wants done. And I know what's really important for me to be working on. So I have a list of the stuff that's really important. And I have the list of what the owner wants done. And he said, I have to get them both done. The man's the owner. Uh, and and uh, so I'm, I'm going to make sure that I get done the things that he thinks are important. And as well, I'm going to get done the things that I know are important for me. So if you want a good relationship with your boss, and you have to make your boss's priorities your own. That uh, otherwise, uh, things aren't going to go well for you. And if if you don't believe in your boss's priorities, you have the opportunity of persuading your boss that, hey, there are more important things like my story. You know, there's more important things for me to do than fix the asparagus. Right. Um, and, and because there's always going to be asparagus to be fixed. There's always some fire that needs to be put out. Um, so uh, you can try to persuade your boss. And um, I've done that a lot over my career. And sometimes I'm successful and Sometimes I'm not successful, but at the end of those conversations, I know that it's my responsibility to make my boss's priorities my own, and I, I want my boss's continued support. So, uh, well, and to that point, there are times when you, as part of managing up, need to take the opportunity to remind your boss of what your boss's priorities are <laughs> because your boss gets caught up in the tyranny of the urgent as well. You're not the only one. Yes. Yes. And frankly, when I've been the boss, I wanted people who reported to me to uh, honor my priorities. And, and again, it's part of the boss's responsibility to, to decide how should people direct their energy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and you talk about um, an experiment, I think, in, in the chapter as well. And I want to talk about that. We're, we're getting ready to bump up against a break here. But you talked about an experiment in the book around, you know, creating that sense of urgency and, and how people set priorities because priorities do shift. Um, tell us, uh, you know, a little more about or give us a little bit of a snippet of that, uh, that experiment as we get ready to go into a break here, Larry, and, and why it's important. Well, you know, it's simply uh, we're we're advising people ask your employees what they think their number one priority is today and see if they give you the answer you think happens to be the right answer. Well, and, and let's come back. I want to hold that thought. I want to talk more about this experiment because how people put this into play because uh, we're coming up against a break here. So I know you all want to hear more, and we'll leave you with that teaser. It's not asparagus, but it's close, right? Um, so hold that thought. We'll come right back and talk a little more about managing to make a difference and how you can better create a sense of urgency for your people while also for- focusing on the most important tasks. So we'll be right back, folks. Um, don't go away. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how join talent plus on site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you leadership toolbox 
focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. Uh, we started today on the topic of harnessing discretionary effort, and we really kind of ended up on creating a sense of urgency, both chapters in Larry and Kim's book, Managing to Make a Difference. And if you're just joining us, you know, we've really been talking about uh, how we get people to harness that extra energy they have going the extra mile, using stories in your culture to uh, encapsulate uh, giving that discretionary effort. And then we moved into creating a sense of urgency, but also knowing the difference between what is urgent versus what's important and, and making sure that things don't all become urgent or you know an emergency in some cases. Uh, and if you did hear the story of the asparagus, and if not, you should rewind the podcast and go back and listen to it because 
there's always going to be asparagus that needs to be fixed. Uh, so not just the tyranny of the urgent, but the tyranny of the asparagus. I guess we could probably coin that term, right, Larry? You bet. Um, so let's let's turn it over. We, we left that last segment talking about an experiment to try and how you help to set priorities and just checking with your people and your team members to see if their priorities are focused in the right area and how you create that sense of urgency. So I'll turn it over to you, yeah. Kim and Larry. Yeah, the, this. so the experiment says if you're a manager – just uh, ask ask an employee, what's your num- number one priority today? What are you working on? And see if you get an answer you like. But uh, here's something that uh, if we ever put out a second edition of the book, uh, I would talk to Kim about putting this in. And, and I wish it was in, but I'm going to talk about it. And that is the manager who's asking that question might not have all the information necessary to establish the priority. That hourly employee may know something the manager doesn't know. So if you don't get an answer that you think is the right answer and you're the manager, the next thing you have to do is say, why do you think that's the number one priority for you today? Because you may get information that you didn't have, which may cause you to agree with that person that you bet that should be the priority uh, and it so many times there's information the boss doesn't have. It, I often focus on the fact that managers often have information that the employees don't have. But right now I'm focusing on the fact that employees often have very important information that hasn't come to the attention of the manager. And, and it, we all have to recognize that. So when somebody disagrees with us, we have to ask why. They may have a better point of view than we do. Well, and why they hold up a mirror for yourself as the manager to what you're communicating is the priority, whether you're doing that intentionally or unintentionally. So that's another possibility in that matrix of outcomes. Yes, absolutely. I I can think of one that's going on in politics, the, the investigation about Russian meddling uh, in the election. Issue number one is whether the Russians have meddled, which uh, apparently all of our intelligence agencies agree on. And issue number two is whether or not it had a material impact on the outcome of the election. Those are two different issues. But the president is only concerned about the latter issue. And uh, as, as so he's he's not directing people to really get at the bottom of the Russian meddling. Uh, so you do, Kim, have to ask yourself as a leader, why do I think this is a priority? So sort of, you know, a disconnect between what's urgent and what's important there, perhaps. Yeah. And it's based on a it's based on a value system. So our listeners may be curious. We talked about Chapter 25. And we talked about Chapter 27 today, you know, harnessing discretionary effort and creating a sense of urgency. They might be wondering, what happened to Chapter 26? It's an experiment. We're trying to see if someone leaks it. And if they do, we're going to go after them. Because the last thing we want is people talking about our book. (laughs) And missing Chapter 26. I'll volunteer to be the leak. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Chapter 26 is really about volunteering, Um, and so it's an extension of discretionary effort. And the question is, what do you do with those tasks as a manager? How do you get those things done that, you know, maybe they're not a top priority 
Maybe they're not the most important thing anybody needs to do. Maybe there's not a lot of urgency around them, but they have to get done. Like the bathroom has to get cleaned. And a lot of times there are jobs that people don't want to do, like cleaning the bathroom. And the question that we address in Chapter 26 is how do you get those kinds of tasks done? And the answer, Larry? Well, the answer came up while I was teaching a seminar. Because, you know, the typical answers are, hey, you rotate them around so everybody, you know, you spread the pain around so everybody has to, you know, do their do their part and so forth. But I had a participant uh, who was the uh, owner and manager of a, a fast food uh, restaurant. And it was about cleaning the bathrooms, as a matter of fact. And he said, this is what I did. I put all of the tasks, the desirable ones and the under. I just made a list and I asked people to sign up. And he said, much to everyone's surprise, a couple of people in the restaurant did, in fact, sign up to clean the bathrooms. And they knew how important clean bathrooms are to all the families who come in. And it really makes a difference as to whether people come back to our restaurant. Everybody knew that. But these two people also happen to like to clean things. And so they signed up to clean the restrooms. And we, he, he, he's telling me. He said, I adjusted their responsibilities so they, they, they spent more time cleaning bathrooms when they were at the restaurant and, and other people then didn't have to spend as much time cleaning the bathrooms and everybody was happier. Most importantly, uh, our customers were happier and it helped us build our business. So th- this unusual approach of and another participant told a very similar story in a very different context. Try it. Put up a list of everything that has to be done and ask people to volunteer and and write their names next to the items. And you might be pleasantly surprised. It's almost like a brilliant flash of the obvious that nobody thinks of doing because it's, you know, it's always nobody wants to do that. So let's just, you know, divvy it all out. But it's like, well, just ask. I, there's there's a lot of power in that. Anything else on Chapter 26 we want to talk about? We've only got a couple minutes left here in the show. I'm good on on the mysterious Chapter 26 now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would add the caveat. I will tell you, my family does a lot of road trips, and I am a person who is highly appreciative of a clean bathroom. And I thank people. I I probably don't thank the right person, but I say at a bathroom that's been clean at the gas station or a, a restaurant or whatever, thank you for having such a nice, clean bathroom. And so for all those people out there who volunteer for the things nobody wants to do, there are people who appreciate you. Here, here. Well, Larry and Kim, uh, it's been a great show today. Our next episode, uh, we don't have a lot of time to actually talk about it, but our next episode is going to be focusing on setting challenging goals and being unreasonably optimistic. And I like a little unreasonable optimism, so I'm pretty excited about the next show. Um, rather than ask for a preview, because I, I, we're just going to let the, I think we're just going to let the title be the preview because we're going to run out of time here. So tune in for our next show. We start talking about a little unreasonable optimism. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so a big thing, a big thanks to Kim and to Larry today uh, for helping to shed some insights on how to harness discretionary effort and create a sense of urgency and some of the tactics to make that really effective in managing to make a difference. So again, if you haven't ordered your books yet, some Managing to Make a Difference is doing very well on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So check out the book, share it with your friends. Uh, we've heard reports of the book being spotted on planes all over. Um, so we'll see you next time for more tips 
from Larry and Kim on managing to make a difference. So until then, look for ways that you can do that with your own people and how you can manage to make a difference. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.